0: When Trent Reznor formed Nine Inch Nails, the path to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame seemed dubious at best. The episode you're about to hear was the fourth episode we ever recorded way back in March, which we planned on releasing the week of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction in May. For obvious reasons, that was postponed. But just a couple weeks ago, Trent and Atticus Ross won an Emmy for their work on Watchmen, so now seems as good of a time as any to release this episode. Having won an Emmy, an Oscar, and a Grammy, Now all that is left is a Tony award to achieve the elusive EGOT status. And now, Less Than 2000 presents Nine Inch Nails. Less Than 2000, the podcast. This is a deeply emotional and important band to us and uh, hugely important in our development. This is an Adam Sandler. This is an MC Hammer. This is this is the real stuff. And of course, we're talking about Nine Inch Nails, who is going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, could you ever believe that Trent Reznor would be in the Hall of Fame one day?
1: If you would have told me when 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 you introduced me to Nine Inch Nails when I was thirteen, if you would have told me that we'd be sitting here right before he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame I'd say you're
0: crazy they were so anti uh, you know popular culture it was nothing was like that at the time it completely cut against the grain I mean yeah there was Nirvana and stuff but in terms of just how raw and different it was from everything else that was out at the time and really when you think about it they weren't the first industrial group and, and really when we say we there is no we for all those years it was Trent Reznor it said on the CDs Trent Reznor is Nine Inch Nails And that's the way it was until Atticus Ross came along. It's now Reznor and Ross are Nine Inch Nails. They are definitely in my my holy trilogy. Nine Inch Nails is in my holy trilogy of 90s bands. I mean, Rage Against the Machine, Tool, Nine Inch Nails. There it is. And they all represent anger and angst in the case of Rage Against the Machine, and enlightenment and anger in the case of Tool, and anger and sadness in the case of Nine Inch Nails.
1: Uh, so as a sidebar, do we need to talk about this anger? <laughs>
0: yeah, I well, I think this episode is the episode where everybody finally realized, wow, Adam has feelings. All right, well, oh, I you introduced
1: me to Nine Inch Nails. You know, I, I mean, there was no one in our school that that listened to them, and and you introduced me to it. So
0: well, so I'm responsible for your your
1: angst and sadness, is what I'm hearing. And a lot of, I mean, I would sit in my room with my headphones on. And and you introduced me to Fixed. That's the darkest Nine Inch Nails album that, that was ever created. I mean, it sounded like people were getting tortured. I'm going to say it again. Torture. I <laughs> was
0: sitting in my bedroom listening to like, ah, ah. It, sexual torture, it sounded like sadomasochism. And it was that song was uh, happiness as a happiness as a slave was yeah. the name of the song on fixed and and I heard about Nine Inch Nails by watching Beavis and Butthead that's how that- I know about it the wish video was on Beavis and Butthead and he's in Trent is in uh, all black of course and in a cage and it's like a strobe light effect and it's just those hard-ass guitars and holy crap i'm like i what is this and of course they show it because it's beavis and butthead watching music videos back in the day it was such a great show and so i went to best buy with my dad and i i the only album i found in the nine inch nails section was fixed and i didn't know any different it had wish on it though did did, did, did your
1: dad ever like flip the cd over and go hmm oh well oh, son it, this is all this
0: is all good i believe the line it was either for that or digital underground sex Packets. Promise me this isn't too weird. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the word fist f- is on the back of fixed. Like, it's like track number five, fist f-. I mean, as we were 12. Okay, we were 12 years old. The ba- There were five
1: songs, right, or six? Six, I think. Six, Fist f- Sure, son. Sure, son, go. go ahead. 12 years this old. This isn't too weird, right? I think that actually, I remember you telling me the story. I think it was digital underground sex packets. It, it it was the blue, you know, black and white with the little blue sex packet. Yeah, and it and, says and sex it just packet says on sex it. Packet. And he looks at it and goes, now this isn't too weird, son. And now keep in no, mind- No,
0: dad. That one would have been when I was like 10. Okay, so, <laughs> so 11. So it's either- No, Was it, were you 10? Well, it came out in 89. I think I heard about it in 90. So yeah, we would have heard about it in 90, which so depending so, on so when- So that you, would have made have nine. Been, <laughs> arguably nine years old. but. The point is, uh, so either it, my dad dad was negligent, or uh, he was intentional, or he's the greatest dad in the world. Let's put him in the cool dad category. He got in, of course, it had the p- p- parental advisory explicit lyrics on it, but it had wish on it. And that's all I knew about Nine Inch Nails was wish from the Beasts and Butthead video, and I found it. And I put it in, and I probably went straight to that track, I think it was the second one. And and it was like eight minutes long. Suddenly, I'm like, "What is this?" Like, and it, it started with this crazy drum solo and all this nuts. And and it was it was it turned out to be different than the like two and a half minute video, three minutes long song that you saw on MTV that came from Broken, which was actually the album that that version of Wish came from. Which
1: to me, and and that was the thing about about Fixed is every song was was remixed and and longer, and it had these crazy sound mixes and it was just
0: it was an incredible album well they, well, and that's just the thing we didn't know it at the time but it turns out Trent would remix his own stuff and have other artists remix his songs from his LPs his long play CDs and cassettes so it other people remixed it and that was a remix album however it was he does this whole halo thing everything was released under halo and i believe the original halo was not actually pretty hate machine number one was down in it his first single Mm -hmm. and i think pretty hate machine which is the first full album was halo 2 if i'm not mistaken and now he's up at halo 32 the last one was halo 32 now that includes all the the mainline cds and all the the remixes
1: and stuff so so after you introduced me to fixed i introduced you to broken essentially then yeah and at the time you know at, at 12 or whatever it was i had no idea that fixed was actually you know a remix off of we broken didn't. We, we had no idea, idea. there's no you, internet you, there was nothing. yeah you just introduced me to Fixed. i'm like oh sweet
0: it's a red cover i mean that's all i knew it's the same it's thing it's the cover N, yeah and 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 fixes in blue and 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 it's flames yeah. It, you know but it was
1: awesome that was the one where he had all the hidden he had all the skip tracks to where you had to get to like 98
0: and 99 yeah, that was the thing in the 90s they they had hidden tracks and uh, lots of bands did it but this suddenly the CD went in up to 99 you're yeah, like, what the all hell of is a that? sudden that you're, you're listening to track 26 nothing, 27, it had, nothing it had six the, main songs on it yep, to begin with yep Two of those were just filler, like mm-hmm. "Pinion," and I mean they're good. It's good filler, it's set the mood. Yeah. But there are four songs on it essentially, and yep. then all these skip tracks, and you got to "Too Physical," an Adamant cover, and "Suck," which was which a great I like. song. I'm sorry, I liked both those songs. <laughs> "Broken" was awesome. I mean, it was like the rockiest one of all of his career. It was like just hard ass guitars and and uh, well, yeah. But see that so that's what I knew. See, I. I knew Nine Inch Nails
1: as this dark, heavy band. So imagine my surprise when I I, I go back and I I, I get Pretty Hate Machine. That's totally different. It's, It's like 80s sort of light. Yeah, you have a there's a love song on like like track five something a I, can never song have. Something I
0: can never have not really a love song but yeah. some, you know like well it's it's deep it's it's a ballad if you yeah. will and it's raw and emotional and what's funny about that is downward spiral came out in 94 that's the big one for me it wasn't until 94 that I learned we learned about pretty hate machine I remember hearing that over here for the first time with a, the babysitter's boyfriend played it for us and I was like, holy s**t, there's more Nine Inch Nails out there? I didn't know that. And so suddenly, imagine finding their their first one, which did sound a lot different. 80s, new wave, synth pop kind of stuff. But Head Like a Hole, I mean, I'm telling you, he would not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without Head Like a Hole. Oh, no. And uh, for me, Terrible Lie, the second track on that one, uh, as well as many of his other songs that go into his angst about God and whatnot, but... Terrible Eye was really meaningful to me. It was a dark, weird time of life, and, uh, Uh, where you start, you know, around 13, like questioning whether there's a God and things like that and maybe expressing some anger towards such an entity. Again, do we need to talk about... Sidebar, do we need to talk about this? No, this is all stuff I've worked out over the years. Oh, great, okay. This is insight. You know, this episode's going to be different than the others because this, this show isn't just about looking back at stuff and making fun of it. This may be an episode you skip. Uh, This isn't all about comedy. This is about visceral, raw pain and emotion. And and it's not just looking back and making fun of stuff. It's looking back and and seeing how uh, we've changed, how society's changed, and how that colors our perception between then and now.
1: Yeah, this... this Listening to Broken and Fixed and listening to those albums when you're 12, 13 years old, it it, it allows you to work some shit out. Yeah. <laughs> you are going through some shit. But, but the other thing I thought of was when we were in college age, I remember I was dating this girl. She came down and I'm just, I was in, in a mood and I'm literally laying on the couch and I'm just blasting something I can never have. <laughs> and I thought this would make her be like, oh, Like, let's make out. (laughs) Instead, she looks at me and she goes, well, that's dramatic and left. (laughs)
0: Dude. Because that is very dramatic. Now, (laughs) so were you you trying to get laid or were you expressing some genuine emotion? Oh, there was genuine emotion. I was 22 and f***ed up. There there are lighter ones on that. Um, uh, Maybe I'm all messed up. Uh, Maybe I'm all messed up in you. The only time. Sorry it took me so long to get there. This is the only time. I'm drunk. I'm so in love with you. That is a legendary nine inch Nails song that he still plays and thank god for a pretty hate machine and it was really cool to like discover that because we knew them as a thrashing metal band and yeah. then suddenly you're like what's all this he has range but okay the biggest thing for me is downward spiral hands down it's 1994 april 94 it was released and that. Album Changed My Life. It's it's in the top five of my my albums, uh, a favorite of my life. Up there, you know, Dark Side of the Moon and stuff like that. The other ones being maybe Anima by Tool, Rage Against the Machine, self-titled, and The Chronic by Dr. Dre. There's my that's, top five. That's a great list. And The Downward that's Spiral. A great list. There's not... It holds up then and now. It It, it is not dated. It is still... Well, it's a little dated. It's dated. I mean, you,
1: you and I, like a few years ago, sat down and we said, let's just listen to the whole album straight through, man. And it'd been a while. You know, you, you right. piece songs here and there. By the end of it, we didn't say a word for like an hour, I don't think. We, we literally listened, stood in my kitchen. And at the very end of it, we were like, this is absolutely an amazing album. Wow, it still had a lot of 80s hidden in it. Like there was still, if you really break it down, there was still a lot of that influence in it. Again, I'm not bashing it. It's a it's it's one of my favorite albums ever, just like yours. But let's be honest, it is a little dated.
0: Well, if you're talking about I think you were just see, I think you were just talking about Pretty Hate Machine. Oh no, 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 You're talking about Downward that Spiral. That was the Downward and Spiral. no, think Downward Spiral is really 80s. See, I think it's dated in the sense that Music like that doesn't exist anymore. As I mentioned, other industrial bands did exist at the time. Skinny Puppy, Ministry were kind of sure. uh, the, the forerunners to everything. Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails popularized it, and then after that, you got bands kind of like Orgy and Stabbing Westward and s- stuff like that. But it never industrial music never really took off. And, oh no! And, and now nobody's doing it. No, no one. So
1: well, there I, well, there's some, but it's not. It's not it's 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 further away from
0: mainstream than it was in the 90s. You know, there's Romstein and stuff, but it was it was just it was one of a kind. And 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 he's the godfather of a style of music that doesn't exist anymore. And so it's dated from the standpoint of it's, it's just, so computerized, it's so it, he wrote that in the Sharon Tate house where um the the Manson murders happened. Yeah. There's just sounds of samples of a screaming children and women throughout the whole thing. Really weird sound. The the best way I can describe it is it sounds like a a broken machine. Then Closer comes along. And again, not hard. I didn't really fully appreciate it. There was that great lyric in it, but it, it took a while for it to sink in. And then the music video comes out. And then suddenly everybody's heard of Nine Inch Nails.
1: To this day, that is one of the saddest experiences of my seventh grade year. You and I were the only ones that knew who Nine Inch Nails were. We'd tell them, Nine Inch Nails, what's what's that? Like right. what, Nine Inch Nails? No one knew who Nine Inch Nails is. Then Trent says, F- you like an animal, and the whole school knew by the next day. Everybody knew who Nine Inch Nails was, and he went mainstream almost overnight. I'm not complaining, other than the fact that that ruined my, I knew them first. <laughs> exactly. We knew them first. Now everybody's like, yo, have you heard of, uh, you heard of Nine Inch Nails, bro? Have and you like, heard of that you like an animal
0: song? Yeah, that's how they would say it. It's funny. You isn't mean it? track five closer? Yeah, I've heard it. And I don't care. See, we can't blame Trent for it, that. No, what I'm, were I'm just happy mentioning. for him because we, if
1: he wouldn't have gone mainstream, we wouldn't still be going and seeing him tour t- this
0: year. I mean, it's. And to, to be fair to him, the the context of is it was 94 that is a lot different than 2020 to to say you like an animal and and expect top 40 air air airplay he i guarantee you he wasn't expecting that no i'm sure when he wrote it this is just track five on downward spiral and then suddenly the label you know and that really kind of pushed things forward because really before that there was like you know I like Big Butts by Sir Mix-a-Lot. Baby Got Back was like risqué. You know, some of Madonna's songs were like risqué. How the f***ing animal, edited or not? How did Baby Got Back end up being like
1: the wedding song, like the song played at all weddings? I don't know what,
0: but I remember when that came on for the first time in in the family car and that that look as my mom looked at my dad disapprovingly and shook her head and then they changed the station.
1: (laughs) Okay, see the first time I heard it, I was laying in bed writing. And all of a sudden, like, Sir Mix-a-Lot came on. I like big butts, and you're like, what? I, I literally looked at my alarm clock, with all the, with the, which had the music coming out. I was like, what is this? Then you saw the music video, and you're like, oh, my God. He's dancing on a yellow-molded plastic butt,
0: and it's on mainstream television. Anyway, this is about Nine Inch Nails. And speaking of videos, though, the closer video, again... You can't blame Trent for getting popular over the song. He probably never thought it was a single. And then the video has naked people in it, like simulated monkey torture, hearts being, you know, like steampunk heartbeats, and 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 naked Asians and old men in suits and spinning around, and it's such such a cool aesthetic. And I it was it was mind blowing. And 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 that was also the summer of Woodstock '94. And that was uh, he was. It, he stole the show at Woodstock 94. He's covered in mud. None of his equipment was working. He was really pissed. He's throwing stuff around. The set list was incredible. And uh, that was like the summer of, of Nine Inch Nails, that, that summer, 7th and 8th grade. Uh, what's incredible to me is how much this album
1: affected people of, of all different cultures, all different lifestyles. I mean, you know, that video was weird. It Everybody ate it up.
0: it it spoke to so many different people i'm with you and that's that's a good point uh this song first of all he uses a disco beat there's no getting around it it starts with kind of a techno disco beat it it is catchy and poppy but it's all there's no like real instruments it's all synthetic and all computerized and uh, in in a good way it it spoke to people all over the world and the video i mean it's got sadomasochism and and all this stuff but uh, i couldn't agree more unlike adam sandler this stuff stands the test of time we like this stuff came out around the same time as they're all gonna laugh at you this stuff still has meaning but even more than that, even as I've gotten older and gone through periods of my life where I don't feel the teenage angst anymore, you can listen to this and totally appreciate the uh, musicianship. Absolutely, well, and you know why? Because he wasn't singing or making jokes
1: about pubescent and high school stuff. He was making songs from his pain, from his world, from from the Tate House. I mean, there's there's he was taking that all that negative energy and all of the stuff that the world beats out of you and smashes in your face. And he was putting it out in a genius set of albums that made you feel something. You know, and it it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what pain you've had in life because we all have pain. It doesn't matter. You can associate what he was going through or what you were going through and there's a commonality in that. And that's why it stands the test of time. Not the little rhythmic beat that he would drop in the beginning or this or that no it stands the test of time because of what he was saying and what it meant and what you feel
0: when you watch it listen to it Maybe listen to it yeah (laughs) if you just wouldn't have said watch it that was that was beautiful oh now we gotta cut this whole part out (laughs) no no one's gonna hear all all of that great (laughs) stuff because I stumbled (laughs) on it watched
1: it no Chad you (laughs) an
0: idiot listen to it you listen to a cd (laughs) so i think we've both been a little harder on ourselves having been living in a world of nine inch nails recently getting ready for this and and obviously i love this and i've never really stopped listening to it there have been periods there have been periods where like i'm happy i don't want to go back to that dark place because a lot of this does remind me of really you know eighth grade you know pimples and braces and you know girls and being all weird going out to high school but it lasts it, it stands the test of time because you're right this was made for the same audience arguably or was consumed by the exact same audience that thought the world's longest pee was the hilarious most hilarious thing in the world and but this is this stands the test of time what do you think about the idea that Trent is is some people thrown out that he's just it's just all marketing and it's all an image and it's just a product to consume and it's uh, all this music that we really related to growing up is all just a bunch of bull- new no. No,
1: I, I don't know. Blasphemy! What the? <laughs> f-? No. First off, no way. Because you can't, pretty hate machine broken fixed downward spiral. You get into that whole world. He was f-ed up on drugs. He was living in the Tate house during the during downward spiral. Addicted to heroin. Addicted to heroin. You
0: that what? Who the f- said this? music writers like you know Entertainment Weekly or something (laughs) who (laughs) are they who's this Rolling Stone Magazine I know just stuff I've heard no I I disagree now
1: is it still hard to is it hard to come up with authentic music after you've gotten past stuff like you know after you get past the pain of the things that you were dealing with, the things that you were singing with, yeah, I mean, he has to go out on stage and, and try to relive it.
0: He's not even really reliving it. He's just well, performing he's at that point. He's evolved at that. Yeah. His music now is not about killing himself and drug addiction. That's and what I'm stuff. saying.
1: So you can't say The early stuff, for sure, had to be authentic. I mean, yes, he may be a little bit of amped. We all, artists tend to over-dramatize and, and get dramatic about
0: their world a little bit. But I'm sorry, that's some real stuff. And that's that's why we relate to it. Because it, it is real in a way that a lot of other stuff isn't. I was a depressed 13, 14-year-old consuming this. And as everybody. Who wasn't? But of course, listening to this and Hurt. Downward Spiral and Hurt. I mean, Downward Spiral is about suicide. And there's no getting around it. Hurt has drug addiction and suicide. And he was obviously going through some and I, I've often wondered who influences what? Are we influenced by the music? Is, is, is Trent making people kill themselves? Because that was another thing that was being said. Kids were killing themselves and there were Nine Inch Nails fans. That was a huge thing in 94 and 95.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. So I'll tell you a story about my dad. We were in the middle of moving him. We, we, he did that stint where he had to move. We were in a vehicle and a song came on and I turned it up. And I was like, oh my God, dad, I loved this song. I used to listen to this song all the time when I was depressed. And he listens for about 30 seconds and he goes, are you sure you weren't depressed because you were listening to this song? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you're right. Is is Are we being influenced by the music or is the music a, a, a direct line of how we
0: think and feel? Again, looking back on how times have changed and how we've changed as human beings, I at the time... It was a, it was a controversy. It was, you know, is gangster rap influencing people? Is all this dark, you know, edgy music influencing people to kill themselves and all this stuff? And it was it was controversial? And they were having like congressional hearings on it and stuff. It was all the rage. Well, no, you know, my mom was concerned about it. Yeah, and parents were supposed to talk to
1: their kids about this stuff. My mom would get the Catholic voice, and it was always like entertainment and your children. And it would be like CDs. Someone like. Don't let your kids watch this. And the ultimate this. of that was Marilyn
0: Manson. Oh, of course, uh, it, w- it was heavily influenced. Yeah, that it. was the big one. So, but but you know, Trent fell into this category and was really before all of it. So, I, I remember at the time, uh, back to how times have changed. At the time, uh, I was like, "No, Mom, you know, it doesn't influence me. This this has I, I'm not affected by it at all." But there's no doubt looking back on it that I was affected by it hurt is an amazing song he plays it live every single show it's the last song he plays before the encore he i've seen nails more than any other band i've seen him live more than any other band and uh, at least a dozen times in every single show it seems like he taps into that and and the, the room just gets so quiet and everybody feels that i remember the first time i saw him i mean this girl behind me was crying and like I held her hand and it was, it was amazing. That was actually the first time I saw him was in 2000 and it was with a perfect circle and nine inch nails and what a hell of a lineup that was. They came to Nebraska before in 94, 95 and on their, the, the tour with Jim Rose Circus. We were too young. Our parents wouldn't let us go, but they came through and the hurt video is actually, was actually shot in Omaha. That's uh, right. It was that in Houston, I think, uh, those two shows. So he always loved playing Omaha. Uh, and he, he, I guess it reminded him of uh, Cleveland, uh, where he grew up, just this kind of min- Midwestern burg. And uh, it, so it was great. But, you, you know, he had the Fragile come out later. We're not going to go into that track by track. But Nine Inch Nails was so big, especially in kind of the mid-'90s, teenage years. Remember, the summer of 94, the Crow was an amazing yes. movie and an amazing soundtrack with Rage Against the Machine and Stone Temple Pilots and and, and and The Cure and Nine Inch Nails was had had one of their best songs, Dead Souls, which, which was a yeah. cover of a Joy Division song. Oh, that was such a great soundtrack. They were on the, the, seven, the seven movie, used a, a remix of Closer.
1: See, this is where I'm glad. I mean, you know, like you said, we're not going to get into stuff like With Teeth and, and some of these other, you know, albums that came out. You know, they, they, they don't, to me, they're not as, as rock solid as, as the early stuff. But that's also in part because that's what we were influenced by because we were young and it was really speaking to us at that time. That being said, I am so glad Trent got into soundtracks. Oh yeah! Because his from day one, his music—you could you could score an entire movie with his with his soundtrack, with his sound, with his voice, with his tones—and now he's doing that and winning massive awards doing it—and and and there's just such a special part in 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 my heart when I see film that he's put a, a little piece of himself uh, on with his music because. It changes what that movie is and I think this movie will not be the same would not be the
0: same if it were not for Trent Reznor prime example of that being natural-born killers with something I can never have Mm -hmm. and that great scene in the desert where they're fighting and 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 Trent actually was the uh, like music producer for the original soundtrack for that one So he put a couple nail songs into it, including "Burn," which was a great original. Yeah, and then of course "Lost Highway" came along a year or two later, and that was kind of in between. You know, he didn't put out a new album until '99. So we got a bunch of soundtracks. We got "Lost Highway," "A Perfect Drug" that was fantastic, and then he produced "Antichrist Superstar" with Marilyn Manson, and that was really only marilyn manson's only album to me like that that was a great no, one but that was it it had trend it was good. all was over, it. over it yeah you know the later stuff i think i think closer was the dividing point i think he was influenced by the success of closer because even the fragile which i really like 1999's the fragile the double album really really like it a lot of it is very poppy
1: if everything still sounded like
0: 80s early 90s that'd be a problem well, and he had plenty of great instrumental tracks and plenty of great dark stuff too. I mean, I'm not in any way diminishing it. It just seemed very. It seemed a lot more. Yeah, whereas "Downward Spiral" is a suicide note written on a computer. Uh, this one was had. It was great, though. I mean, we had these light motifs. Where they just keep recurring throughout both of them. I always went with right. I always I know it's left is the official beginning of that, but I always for some reason I started with right, and that's the way I think of it. It was so special seeing Nine Inch Nails with you at Red Rocks, and I can't believe as many times as I've seen them that we never saw them together until a year ago, like yeah, two years ago, two year or two ago. And and they played Dead Souls, And, and he went into hurt. And the best venue in the world. Not at all the kind of act that you normally see at Red Rocks. Not at all a jam band or anything like that. But it was so awesome to see that with you. You know, the legend has it allegedly you know he had a drug overdose after 99 he came close to death he turned it around with teeth was his first one in five years and you know year zero was great i really liked the slip i liked hesitations marks you know the the newer stuff i'm getting used to uh thank god he pulled through it And, and think about how many people not that he killed with his bad influence that he kept alive that he could speak for maybe it's all being cheesy, but no, not at all. This is literally one of those moments that I would, that if there
1: wasn't two microphones in front of us and this wasn't, wasn't awkward as this is the bro hug moment. We'd be, we'd be be like hugging right now. (laughs) If it wasn't for the fact that we're actually doing a podcast.